Hi, I'm Dr. Pat Basu, the President and CEO of Cancer Treatment Centers of America and the host of Focus on Cancer. On today's show, I welcome a very special guest, Dr. Siobhan Rary. Not only is Dr. Rary an expert in the field of endocrine oncology, she is the National Director of Telehealth at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And our show today is primarily focused on the exciting world of, of telehealth and, uh, and what it means for the future of medicine, what it means for our future patients. So Dr. Rary, welcome to the show. Thanks for, thanks for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Pat. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you here. Uh, you, you and I have uh, a shared passion for, uh, for telehealth and uh, the real game changer that it already has been. And, uh, and frankly, we're just in the early, early innings of what telehealth uh, will do um, in the years to come. But before we dive into, into that topic, tell me just a bit about your background, um, what got you into to medicine and cancer care, and, and what you did before uh, coming to CTCA. So I, I got into medicine. I can start there. You know, as a, as a child, I've always been very interested in science um, and how things work um, and how to improve upon um, something that's, that's, uh, that's there or improve upon um, or solve a problem. So for me, medicine was a natural fit. Um, ultimately, I wanted a better, uh, I was seeking a better understanding of the world around us. And through medical school, um, I went to Harvard Medical School there and um, vividly remember a uh, time when in anatomy, so the first uh, class, you know, that we uh, as medical students get introduced to where we are um, humbly um, introduced to the, you know, the patient um, that we're going to be working with from an anatomical standpoint. And I was blown away by the awe that is um, the human, the human body, the human being. Um, and I think, you know, my love for medicine, my love for, for science, um, and my quest for answers really um, took off. I then further went into endocrinology, which is the study of hormones, um, and endocrine oncology specifically, uh, which is uh, encompasses a number of rare um, cancers, including um, uh, the more uh, common thyroid cancer, um, mainly because I wanted to treat the entire patient. I was fascinated with the human body and uh, the study of hormones interact with each and every organ. So that was important for me to be able to have a holistic understanding of the patient who sits before me. That's terrific. I, uh, you've got a, a fantastic background, and I love that, that introduction. It's similar to uh, what drew me into the field and some of our colleagues. I, I often tell uh, medical students and residents that the, uh, you know, this is just the most fulfilling job because the the humanity and the ability to take care of patients is so fulfilling. The science is always so interesting, and and uh, the privilege to uh, to do it in in cancer care is you know I, I know you and I share um, share the feeling that is a uh, it is the most fulfilling thing that we could be doing is to take care of patients in this uh, tremendous battle against this horrible disease. And uh, you've made tremendous uh, strides and, and a huge impact in. Uh, the field of cancer care and at CTCA as, as leader of uh, the, the telemedicine program. Uh, really excited to talk about uh, the present and fr frankly, the past, present, and future of, of telehealth. Let's start with maybe a couple of just basic definitions. So, so Dr. Rary, what, what exactly is telehealth? 
telehealth um, in general is a broader concept. Um, so for our patients, for our audience, we'll see the term telemedicine uh, versus telehealth. And the idea is that uh, when we dive deep, telemedicine is a subset of telehealth. Telemedicine involves audio video communication between the uh, provider and a patient. And telehealth is that broader concept where telehealth can involve telemedicine, the audio video, but it encompasses more. It, it can encompass the communication that you have uh, between your, uh, your provider on your mobile phone, on your mobile app. Um, the portal um, can encompass telehealth. So any type of telecommunication between you and your care team is encompassed in the word telehealth. Absolutely. And, and I think as, uh, as this becomes well, it's already become mainstream. We'll talk about that in a moment. But, you know, before, uh, you know, maybe 10 years ago, this was such a new concept and a lot of the, the terms were confusing to, uh, to people. But, but I agree, you know, telehealth is that, that broader superset and telemedicine, a, uh, an aspect of that. Uh, this is a field actually that uh, you and I share um, a, a huge belief in the impact that it is having on, on patient care delivery. Um, and, and really in the last year, especially given the, the pandemic of COVID-19, uh, the, the use of telehealth and its impact has grown dramatically. That said, this is actually an area that has been around for, uh, for a long time. In fact, when I sometimes speak about uh, telehealth, I say that it's been around for decades. Uh, one, of the, one of my favorite examples is to, is to use NASA and, and space. Uh, with regards to taking care of astronauts and their health care, even when they were orbiting the Earth or, or on their way to the moon. Um, but really the delivery of health care from a location where the patient and the physician or any member of the clinical care team is not right next to you is a powerful concept. It, it reduces time and distance. It allows tremendous specialty care to be delivered um, in, in far off uh, reaches as well as in, in a much more uh, efficient and, uh, and effective manner. As you know, I used to lead an organization called VRAD, which was the largest telehealth organization conducting telehealth visits in the radiology space, and then helped start a, a company called Doctor on Demand in 2013, where we delivered urgent care visits in, uh, in telemedicine. And it's been really remarkable to see the progression of, of telehealth grow from, from that point until now. When we started Doctor on Demand, it was truly a, such a novel concept that you had to explain to people that you could deliver healthcare over a, a, a video visit. And we spent a lot of time just educating patients on, uh, on that aspect, and uh, a lot of funny stories, a lot of really smart questions from patients who would say, "Wait a second, I'm used to getting this care in person. How, how does, you know, how do you do a physical exam? How do you take a history over uh, over video?" But we found that through the education of patients and through the adoption, but in particular, once patients had a visit, they loved it. There was no more of the waiting for a couple of hours in the waiting room in a, in a crowded room. There was uh, just so many advantages uh, to the patient being able to care, be cared for at home. To the point now, uh, Dr. Rary, where, where telehealth in, in the past year has almost become commonplace. 
Uh, can you talk a little bit about, about the evolution that you've seen just in telemedicine over the last decade and in your career and, and where we are now? Absolutely, absolutely, Pat. So you describe it very well. Where um, so I've been in this space for over a decade, as you have 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 alluded to, and like you, you know, we we have been um, paving the way, if you will, for uh, something so revolutionary as now. So I'll start off by saying, COVID has changed many things, if not everything that we do. You know, the pandemic has impacted all aspects of our lives. It's impacted how we communicate, how we socialize, how we um, interact um, with uh, teachers, um, how how we interact with healthcare providers. And it really has um, spurred the um, significant uptake of adoption of telehealth, where in the past, like you have mentioned, telehealth has been in existence since the 1960s. And uh, many at that time, it was uh, relegated mostly towards providing care to those uh, patients in rural areas where access was an enormous issue. Then we moved into the urgent care space, but specialty care, um, short of radiology, was very um, uh, slow to pick up. So cancer care within the telehealth space was very slow to pick up, in particular in the United States. Internationally, it was quite prominent in areas where the demand was there. So in Australia in particular, where the demand is, is present to make sure that we provide oncology care to all areas um, of, of our community. And so with the pandemic, and um, quite frankly, uh, the public health emergency was declared in uh, CMS, you know, they rose to the occasion and they were uh, able to provide about, you know, 180 uh, various waivers that allowed care to continue um, during the peak of the pandemic and beyond. And part of that was, um, you know, telehealth was, uh, it, it's having its moment mostly because it really was able to dampen the impact from a healthcare standpoint um, that, um, that the pandemic um, has caused. It allows the provider to continue that interaction, to continue that communication um, to the patients um, where PPE is an issue or social distancing is a mandate or quite frankly, patients can't travel. Uh, but this is all in the backdrop of Patients um, are, are have become much more familiar with, um, you know, using their mobile phone or um, um, digital um, um, aspect to communicate with every aspect of their lives. And now we really have been able to uh, to show the world how we can utilize technology to impact and improve upon healthcare. So it's been exciting to, to be a part of it. It's been exciting to be able to bring these services to our patients um, who, quite frankly, you know, need it most. Our, our cancer patients um, during this pandemic were more than ever needing our services as a provider and being able to, um, to utilize this tool to um, engage the patients and to provide such services uh, was and remains to be key. Um, in addition to a, kind of an augmenting their on-site care, 
on-site is, is still um, necessary. And in many cases, telehealth is not meant to replace a visit. It's, it's really meant to augment that care and to provide that additional support that the patient can, can have for the betterment of their health. So it's been fascinating to, to walk through this um, uh, with uh, CTCA um, and in general. Thanks. Thanks so much, Dr. Rari. Uh, I, I, I agree. It's been, uh, you know, you've been not just a, a spectator watching, but uh, certainly a leader on the field uh, leading uh, this, this huge development in, in tele, telehealth and telemedicine. So much so that I often say that in, in a few years, I don't think we're going to call it telemedicine. We'll call it medicine just the same way we don't call it telebanking. When you deposit a check on your phone, we just call it banking. And, uh, and you're exactly right. Technology has changed our lives so dramatically, uh, particularly in the last 10 years with the, you know, ordering things on Amazon to getting a ride, to getting food delivered, that it, it absolutely is paramount that we use that technology to make healthcare more accessible, more affordable, uh, and, and higher quality. And, and, and telemedicine is doing just that. In fact, uh, you're exactly right that Many of these solutions have actually been around for a number of years, but it was it was COVID and uh, the government, in particular uh, bodies such as uh, CMS Center, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, that really did pave the way for a, a dramatic increase in, in telehealth. Uh, pretty shocking statistics from Medicare uh, that this year in in 2020, uh, after the pandemic, that uh, in April. 43.5, so almost half of primary care visits for Medicare were delivered through a telehealth platform. And to compare that, that number was 0.1% in February. So, you know, telehealth used to be one of those things that we used to talk about as, as coming or in the future, the inflection point, but clearly, clearly it's here. And um, that, you know, the pandemic accelerated the value that telehealth provides from a distance uh, and safety perspective, the barrier reduction uh, provided by by Centers for Medicare and Medicaid and others was tremendous because prior to that, Dr. Rary, as you and I know, it was there was a lot of barriers to delivering telehealth. Um, some, in my opinion, were were pretty antiquated. If you think about, you know, even just treating an upper respiratory infection in Illinois versus Indiana, uh, you know, pretty pretty similar infection. But yet you you needed a, a license in in the different state, and frankly, prior to some of these rules, you could not see that patient um, in in the state next door. But uh, we are in a period now where where thankfully uh, a lot of those regulations have been decreased. And and what's your view on on that? Are those uh, are those changes you think here to stay? You know, during the pandemic, we were able to see that telehealth uh, is not just a convenience, uh, but it was a necessity. And I think that was the silver lining, if you will, of the pandemic, where high-risk patients, you know, those with cancer, um, those still actively undergoing cancer treatments could stay at home, could remain safe, and could still access their much-needed health care on a regular basis. It allowed hospitals to reduce the patient volume, maintain social distancing. Um, and so the lawmakers, the insurance companies, I think everybody understood the necessity to um, to 
take the guardrails off and allow this, allow telehealth to be the tool um, that we can enable health for those who need it the most, um, certainly at a time when, when, um, when it was needed. And so there are a number of different um, large organizations. There are a number of different providers. There are a number of different lobbying groups all asking for the same thing, which is to make a number of these waivers permanent, such that when we come out of this pandemic, we're still as strong as we are now, where all of the benefits that we're describing with telehealth and all of the learnings, quite frankly, that um, organizations have been able to appreciate um, and impact the care for their patients, that the rules and regulations um, continue to evolve to allow um, this um, type of uh, beneficial healthcare uh, to maintain and to continue to take place um, and allow uh, disruptive innovation, if you will, to, uh, to emerge and to continue for the betterment of the patient. So you had mentioned early on, you know, the, the physical exam is necessary. It's a necessary tool to be able to diagnose um, and to be able to treat. But there are some things that we have learned that, you know, we who have been in this space for years, you and I have learned before, and now we're able to share that with the rest of the world, how you can still effectively navigate um, patients who need that high touch and how you can continue to augment their care um, with telehealth, um, not completely replacing the care, but recognizing when they do need to come in and quite frankly, when they don't. And when care can be delivered um, in a, a equal um, high quality fashion to those patients who don't need to come in for that visit. Yeah, I could not agree with you more, uh, Dr. Rary. You, you know, your your comment there on the physical exam uh, reminds me when when we were uh, doing a lot of uh, seeing a lot of growth in patients at, at Doctor on Demand. One of the early questions that that people had around telehealth was would would communication or would some of those diagnostic skills uh, be lost from going to the bedside to going to a uh, you know, a, a video visit uh, format. And it, it's interesting, we did a fair amount of research on this on this space, and we found that what had happened in modern medicine at the bedside due to the pressures, the administrative pressures, the insurance pressures that doctors face, even after those long wait periods that patients were, were spending to get an appointment, which was about three weeks, and the average wait time was about an hour, they would go in and their actual face-to-face -face interaction time on average uh, was about eight minutes. And during that time, doctors were having to look to the side and chart that one of the most intriguing comments that we got repeatedly in our telemedicine delivery was, the doctor looked at me the entire time and it was so refreshing. <laughs> and I would read these comments over and over and it was, it was one of those areas where it just showed that not only uh, could telemedicine be equal to the bedside, but in many cases be better then. And for, for reasons such as that and others, going back to your point on, on the regulations, I, I agree with you that I think this is one of those few times it seems that in the year 2020, we can say these words, but it, telemedicine, telehealth has bipartisan support uh, in, in a lot of areas uh, of, of Congress and at, at the State House, which cannot be said for, 
for a lot of other areas. And so, so I agree with you. I think, I think there's a, a real opportunity here to preserve the good aspects of telehealth while uh, shielding um, some of the potentially bad ones and, and, and the government and insurance companies rightfully are always on the lookout for fraud, waste and abuse uh, that can occur anytime there's, there's changes. But, but I agree with you, the data is showing uh, overwhelmingly that this can increase access and, and increase affordability. Uh, another reason why I think there's, bi there's bipartisan support is the, the use cases for telehealth are tremendous. I mentioned radiology before, there's dermatology, there's behavioral health therapy, and then certainly where you and I have our, our passion and, and, and devote our careers uh, to is, is an oncology and in cancer care. So let's talk specifically about the role of telehealth in, in cancer care therapy, Dr. Rary. You mentioned something very important, which is unlike just the pure diagnostic specialties, internal medicine, primary care, uh, you know, mostly dermatology where, where there's behavior health, where there's almost this instantaneous, okay, I can see how most of that can be delivered over telehealth, but patients often have a lot of questions around, okay, but what about chemo uh, therapy? What about radiation? What about surgery? So, so let's kind of lay it out, the various use cases. What are the roles for telemedicine within cancer care? And what are the areas where you mentioned you still need to come in? Um, can you kind of lay that, that balance out for, for our patients? Absolutely. So I'll start by saying, you know, first, the um, telehealth can offer that uh, that peek into the patient's home. And for cancer patients, it's so vitally important. So if you can imagine, you know, we there's a lot of discussion about uh, social determinants of health. How do we fully appreciate the social situation that a patient is going through in and quite frankly, once we can appreciate it to provide solutions or areas in which um, a patient might need uh, additional resources or additional help in order to execute on the care plan. So this telehealth um, provides in um, a significant uh, opportunity where one can, uh, you know, garner that information from the patient just by their surroundings to better understand how we can support as a provider um, the patient in helping them to execute on their treatment plan and making sure that they're successful. So that is one important point I wanted to, um, to make and to bring through. Of course, that is impactful for any patient, but I think it's particularly impact impactful for the cancer patient who will be um, you know, invariably experiencing um, chemotherapy agents, chemotherapy side effects, um, and uh, hardships um, from um, you know, their own uh, response and reaction to the medication to help fight, to help beat that cancer um, and onwards. You know, a family member could be part of the conversation um, perhaps more readily in the patient's home than that could be had um, uh, in a visit, especially if there's some travel that needs to occur with it. Additionally, there are opportunities where we could provide specific oversight for the cancer patient. So not only involving that telemedicine communication between the provider and the patient, but 
integrating the care team. So involving perhaps the pharmacist in that conversation, involving the social worker in that conversation, uh, the nutritionist in that conversation. So really providing additional tools and interactions and integration with the care team for that patient while they're in the home. You know, the patient, we spend most of our lives outside of the hospital walls. And yet it really took, you know, this year, the year of 2020, to fully appreciate how to best deliver that care in a broad sense um, to that patient outside of our four walls. So that could include, um, you know, providing a, an opportunity for uh, stable patients uh, to get um, distinct, uh, perhaps safer uh, chemotherapy agents in the home with less side effects. You know, how to keep them, how to continue to keep them safe, how to continue to optimize their health care um, and um, provide them with the opportunity to remain in the home, to get their frequent um, agents, you know, every few weeks um, that that may occur. And for the stable patient who is on a uh, perhaps one of the newer medications that have less side effects that could be safe um, to infuse in the home with a specialized um, chemotherapy trained infusion nurse, that is a significant opportunity um, that we have as providers um, and, um, you know, leaders within the healthcare space and uh, within the uh, digital transformation to provide those services for our patients in a safe um, way. And so there are, there are uh, opportunities, there are areas that we can absolutely leverage uh, digital health um, and, um, and uh, telehealth oversight to integrate the care of the cancer patient for the betterment of their health. I love that word integrate. I, I think it's it's such an important aspect of the role of, of telemedicine in cancer care in particular. Let's be clear, when a patient needs radiation therapy or when a patient needs surgery, uh, and for, for many aspects of, uh, of chemotherapy, the patient uh, does need to be seen in our hospitals and clinics. However, and this is why I love that word integrate, Telehealth is a dramatic, dramatic solution to provide the glue, provide the connective tissue between those visits, before those visits, after those visits. It's, it's such a powerful tool. As I said at the beginning, one of the, the best aspects of, of telehealth is that it reduces time and distance to, uh, you know, to an incredible specialist such as yourself. You did mention something that I want to do a deeper dive into. We, we talked about the need, obviously, to come in and get surgery in person, radiation therapy, life-saving therapies for cancer care. I sort of think of it as, you know, these, these important spikes of life-saving care that we deliver in the hospital and clinics and telehealth used to sort of bridge the gap in, in, in between many of those things. But there's one use case that, that you and I are, are excited about where we might be able to uh, to deliver more cancer care uh, therapy uh, in the home uh, through infusion of various chemotherapy drugs. Uh, you are, are really leading that effort uh, nationally and, and, and pioneering that. So, so can you give our, our audience a little bit of an insight into oncology infusion at home? So it is, it, it is not a new concept. Um, 
in in Europe, uh, it's it's almost uh, commonplace. Where again, in particular for patients who are relatively stable um, and who are eligible, who receive frequent uh, chemotherapy agents, it, it's it's an it's an opportunity to provide care um, where the patient's at, um, to provide care by highly skilled, uh, trained um, uh, nurses uh, who come to the home and they're trained in chemotherapy infusions. And uh, the it's important to understand that there are particular agents which lend themselves well to uh, being infused in a um, in, in a setting outside of the hospital, while there are other agents uh, which do not. Uh, similarly, from the patient standpoint, the patient um, there are particular patients who uh, are medically stable and can tolerate that infusion in the home, um, and there are those who may not be able to, and there are those in between who might move from one area to the other. What the um, initiative entails or what the program entails is the patient has a visit with their provider um, through this um, uh, telehealth service. Um, well, I should say that, that it's, there's an there's a on-site visit. You know, they might see the provider and uh, have the surgical procedure that's necessary, have the radiation treatment that's necessary, and now they're moving on to a more stable chemotherapy regimen, where they're coming every three weeks um, or perhaps every four weeks um, long travel. They may have to take um, time off of work. They may have to engage their caregiver and their caregiver has to take time off of work. And it might be, you know, a three-day endeavor for a 30-minute infusion, if you will. Uh, we're, we're essentially looking at uh, what the rest of the world is doing. I think the United States is a little bit late to adopt this, but it's an opportunity that we can really be able to meet the patients where they are. And that's in their home for those specific um, patients, for those specific agents, whereby a trained um, um, home health nurse can uh, meet the patient in the home and provide that same chemotherapy agent for that 30-minute infusion um, in the home in a safe manner with uh, oversight um, through telehealth from the medical oncologist, continuing to monitor their symptoms, provide education um, that's needed. If the symptoms need to be escalated, there's a way to communicate with the care team. And you're providing that wraparound care is what I'd like to call it. So we're in a state where we have the tools to better improve the patient's care and continue that interaction with the patient more than a three-month basis. So like you had mentioned, um, to augment that care in addition to the face-to-face. -face. The face-to-face -face we wouldn't replace, that's still necessary. Um, you know, the high touch um, is, is still a part of that, but now we can extend that to those services in addition to your face-to-face. -face. And, and what a remarkable opportunity we have to be able to move um, or to offer that to our cancer patients where, um, you know, quite frankly, they have the support of their loved ones in their home. They have the safety, um, not only from the pandemic, but just in general, peace of mind, less time off of work, more convenient, um, and, and they can still get the treatment that they that they need to get up the next day and to you know do what they um, they are passionate about themselves without having to take an extended period of time or an extended period of time off. So 
our, you know, our goal here um, at CTCA and with this program is to empower the patient to be able to move beyond their cancer and provide them with the tools um, to do that. Well, Dr. Rary, there's a statement you made there around meeting the patient where they are, which I, I love that concept. I, I love it because too much of medicine is not patient-centric. Oftentimes, it seems if you're a patient, the system cares about everybody except for the patient. And, and this idea of meeting the patient where they are, in this case, literally meeting the patient where they are at their home, but figuratively... Uh, I, I know you and I uh, love this concept of, of patient-centeredness and in a healthcare system that is all too often inconvenient and has way too much discomfort, bringing the feeling of convenience and comfort and, and, and designing a healthcare system the way one would want it to be designed, one would want for their mother uh, to engage in from a mother standard of care, mother standard of care perspective. And I think through some of your examples, uh, it's really brought to light the idea that telemedicine uh, does just that. And and for our audience, I, I want Dr. Rary to do this with the, the following lens. So many of the innovations, not just in healthcare, but in our lives, are very difficult to see in the present time. Uh, if you were, if, if we were to ask each other, would we be ordering groceries at home uh, consistently 10 years ago? or depositing checks remotely 20 years ago, or FaceTiming with our loved ones, uh, you know, uh, uh, 15 years ago, many of us would, uh, would say, wait a second, you know, how's that going to work? And, and that is the exciting thing about innovation. That is the exciting thing about leaders such as Dr. Rary is they, uh, they make what seemed impossible possible in a, in a lot faster of a, of a time period. So, so with that, Dr. Rary, uh, Maybe maybe paint the future uh, for us. What what can we expect uh, in the in the years ahead uh, as an impact of telemedicine going forward? Absolutely. So I'll start off. You know, I have no crystal ball, <laughs> but I think the key thing to to take away is that with innovation, it's following the vision that is key, that is imperative, not following the path. So it's important to have that vision of the future of the um and and you know more often than not it's something that may not have uh, that that may not be present today but if the vision is there um no matter how we get there we'll we'll end up um we'll, we'll end up with that um with that thought so for instance within the the uh, healthcare space i would say it is imperative for us to end or to land that vision where we can have a more convenient way of receiving care, we can have a more patient-centric um, care experience, we can have a more accessible healthcare system. You know, the United States spends a uh, significant amount of funds, of money on healthcare, more than anyone else um, in, in the entire world, and yet our outcomes are um, not significantly improved. We need to get to the point where we are matching that vision of healthcare with the expectations of the patient and, quite frankly, having the outcomes um, to show for it. 
So that vision involves a, it might involve a very different lens than what we experience today. But it's important to recognize that um, that there there is a way um, to receive healthcare um, for the majority of individuals, increase access, increase convenience, um, increase its quality, increase the um, or, or make it more equitable um, for to be more inclusive, um, and quite frankly, to provide care beyond. Uh, beyond the brick and mortar, beyond the fixed time frame, but really 24 hours, you know, seven days a week. We have to, we have the technology and we need to move in that direction where we're really, you know, if you don't have health, there's not much else that, that we have. And so it's vitally important to, um, to improve upon um, and to, to, provide that healthcare um, for individuals so they can uh, continue to live their passion. Um, and that's, that's my goal, that's my vision. Uh, that is, is what uh, I can say that we'll continue to work towards. Um, you know, and, and with the, the silver lining of the pandemic, again, has provided those opportunities that you can have those uh, innovative um, healthcare um, space so you can be able to integrate many different um, many different functions um, all into one um, formidable uh, program so whether those functions involve um, you know looking at it from a systems perspective is entirely important when we're looking at transformative change it's will not happen in a silo. It will not happen um, with, you know, focused on technology and very individually focused on medicine. It's really the integration of them all. It's the integration of services, of technology, of marketing, of um, patient experience, of um, compliance, of, of the legal um, uh, opportunities and of operations. And it's really that excitement of uh, systems thinking and integration that will be able to, again, meet the patient where they're at and to provide them with high quality care that um, supersedes our expectations. Absolutely. Well, I, I share I share your uh, your vision and uh, your passion for, for telehealth. Uh, it, it calls to mind uh, one of my favorite quotes by uh, the late, uh, late Bobby Kennedy who said, uh, some see things as they are and ask why. Others see things uh, that never were and ask why not. And, uh, and I think uh, that is the, the spirit, uh, that is the aspiration of, of what we can do as humanity, what we can do to advance healthcare for our patients. And, uh, and again, thanks to innovative leaders such as yourselves, um, such as yourself, Dr. Rary, thanks to um, uh, you know, a national leader in, in telehealth uh, that, that you are, um, I think we're gonna see, see a brighter future for our patients. So, so thank you for that. Thank you for all that you're doing. Uh, thanks for taking time away from your busy schedule to, to come on the show and uh, appreciate it. And we'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Pat, for having me. This has been fun.